Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Stemming Forward. This is Chris coming to you again, and I'm so excited to announce that we have made it through Chapter 1. Hey. Hey. Let's go. Okay, so... Now it's on to chapter two, and on the, in this chapter, we'll be focusing on everything regarding graduate school. And the questions that we'll address are, is graduate school for me? Um, what's the purpose of graduate school? Why is it a foreign concept? And the first time I'm hearing about it, the different pathways you can take to graduate school, the questions you should ask yourself, and just to give you insight on how to navigate or um, things to consider when you're trying to establish your own path. So the first question is, what is grad school and why am I just not hearing about it? Well, Chris, graduate school is different from undergrad or what we would call college, where undergrad you would get your bachelor's or your associate's degree, you have a clear direction. But graduate school is education beyond your bachelor's. It's what we call higher education. So in graduate school, you can get a master's degree, a PhD, an MD, you've got veterinarian sciences, pharmacology, you've got business, physical therapy, just to name a few. Anything that's going to give you extra credentials or letters behind your name is what grad school is for. Now, you probably never heard of it because there's a real push that is lacking for graduate school. When you're an undergrad, many of our black and brown professors don't mention it or don't push their students toward it, mainly because students seem like they're eager to get into the workforce. But graduate school is a great way to gain more education and more status before entering the workforce. And I think another thing to consider is that when you're an undergrad, not only are you trying to like get out and get the degree and get into the workforce, but you're just trying to get through, if that makes sense. Like with undergrad, it's more about memorization for passing an exam or, an, or a class. But for graduate school, it's a completely different ball game. Like you're required to retain what you're learning and then applying that knowledge to a specific project, a specific problem or a specific um, research question. Right. So you're typically answering questions that no one has explored in the past. And you're going to be using those existing skills that you gained in undergrad while building upon those for your master's and your PhD. Right, 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 right. But how do I go about it if I want to go to grad school? Or what are the steps to take? So that would be the question that I would be asking. And so, you know, we're here to guide you through that. So after high school, you have multiple routes. You can find a job. You can go to technical school or community college where you'll be getting your associate's degree that's typically about two years, or you can go straight to pursue your bachelor's or undergraduate degree, and that's about four years. After you get your associates, which is that two-year degree that I just mentioned, you can then go on to get your bachelor's, which is more classes. Fun, fun, fun. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then after your bachelor's, you can go to find work or you can go to graduate school. And so in graduate school, one thing that's nice is that you're taking mostly core courses. So it's not as many as undergrad, which is really nice, but the classes are definitely challenging and it allows you to have time to do research. And that's the main joys of graduate school or getting your PhD. And what does PhD stand for? That is a doctorate of philosophy. So typically we're used to hearing doctor, which is medical doctor or a doctor who practices medicine. But in this case, a PhD is a doctor of knowledge. So you're becoming an expert in a specific area 
And that's why it's super important to love what it is that you do. Your project becomes your baby. And so the difference between your master's and your PhD is that your master's is typically two years. Your PhD is five and five and up, right? Mm. And some program, <laughs> I felt that, Carla, I felt that. <laughs> so some allow you to pick your master's up along the way. And what that means is that as you are pursuing your PhD, you're fulfilling the master's requirements. Okay, D, but how do I do that? So when you're pursuing your PhD, you have to take a certain number of courses. And sometimes those courses are required to get your master's. So you can sign a paper, a sheet of paper. Once you fulfill those courses, <laughs> boom, you got your master's. But others require you to do a master's thesis or something extra in order to get your master's along the way. Now, let me tell you this. Let me let me just go on and say it. I'm a flat out say it. The journey is going to be challenging. Say it again um, for the people in the back, please. Okay, okay, okay. Let me rewind that thing, Dee. The journey is going to be challenging. Yes. Mm. It's not instant gratification. I promise you that. When you want stuff to work, it ain't going to work. It might take years for stuff to work. It's going to be challenging, but it will be worth it as long as you love what it is you do. Absolutely. So let us not scare you from this grad school thing. Grad school is awesome because there's flexibility, flexibility that you did not have in undergrad. What does Mm -hmm. that look like? Well, we have electives. So in graduate school, you may have your core courses that make up your master's and PhD curriculum. And then there are electives that you can choose to fill the rest of the curriculum requirements in. And these electives could be classes in anything. So some schools call them non-technical minors. People can go and take classes in other departments and in other fields that is totally outside of their field. Or you have your technical minors where you go and you take a class or two or three within the same field that you're in on a separate topic. So these are really nice so that if you're doing research in something and you want to know how your instrument or microscopes may be working, or it will give you insight on how the mechanism, organism, whatever you're looking at, interacts with other things in the world. Absolutely. I can definitely speak on electives because, again, I'm focused on cancer biology, specifically extracellular matrix alterations and how that induces cancer, right? But um, I'm also interested in the biochemical consequences of extracellular matrix alterations. And so there are seminars and workshops that I could take or I have taken that have helped me further understand my research project. So that's also an option for you. Let's say you're interested in an aspect of engineering and you want to learn more about, I don't know, the organic chemistry of things. You could take an elective that focuses on the chemical aspect. So it's a lot like we said earlier, a lot more flexible when you get to graduate school. So y'all know that I'm the one who's going to be asking all the questions. I'm going to be like, okay, these electives are cool. Core classes are cool. But how do I know what electives to take? What core classes to take? When do I take them? Why do I take them? What type of flexibility do I really have? How much flexibility do I have? Well, first of all, in this day and age, y'all don't have an excuse not to find these things. Because, okay, when we were growing up, (laughs) 
there was dialogue. <laughs> that little do 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 do. Not the noise too. <laughs> Listen, y'all know we had to do ask G's. What was Google at that time? Nothing. We had ASK. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so now y'all can just Google and find the websites for the universities and programs that you're interested in. And on those websites, I mean, that's your golden ticket right there. They have the course catalogs. They have the requirements that you need um, to fulfill in order to get your degree. For example, for me, using the course catalog was a major determining factor in why I chose biomedical engineering over medical physics. I saw that medical physics, I needed a lot more courses and the courses were more governed or there were more strict requirements. Whereas in biomedical engineering, I had the flexibility to pick and choose which classes I want. And ultimately, you want to understand what it is you want to learn and what you would be excited to learn about. So listen... The undergraduate degree is not the end-all be-all. There's more things out there for you to explore and obtain, but this takes planning. And there are many different routes that you can take. There are many different bachelor's degrees. There are many different graduate degrees. And your bachelor's degree does not dictate what your graduate degree has to be. Can we say it again? Yes, If you don't get nothing else from this podcast today, you must understand this. Your bachelor's degree does not dictate what your graduate degree has to be. We are all living testimonies of that, so you'll hear it later. Let me explain what this means. In graduate school, and graduate school, again, is an MD, could be a law degree, business, any STEM field. There's something called prerequisite courses. So prerequisite courses are courses that you have to take to get into the program. For instance, medical school, you have to have biology, certain types of math, chemistry. They list the courses you need to get in on the applications or they list them on their website. So in undergrad, if you decided I want to be computer science major and when you're done, you want to go to med school, All you need are your prerequisite courses. You can take the MCAT, you can apply for med school and get in. Same with graduate school. Look at these websites for each program and they will list the prerequisites that you need. So for me, I did chemistry and physics and I applied to get into the nuclear engineering program. And I did because I had all the prerequisite courses I needed and I took the GRE. And that's all it was to it. What you choose for your undergraduate degree does not dictate your future going forward if you have your prerequisite courses. Now, Some graduate programs will admit you and you can take those prerequisite courses while in graduate school. That is also an option, but it will extend your time there. So there are a few ways that you should choose a degree. And that would be, what do you want to do for research in the long term? If you choose something in undergrad, say biology, that's a general enough degree to help you move into our engineering for graduate school. But you have to have your prerequisite courses. So she talked about ways you can choose your degree. But how do you choose your lab? How do you even choose the work that you want to do? Ultimately, what you want to do is look into and find out what labs actually do. I know for me, before I came to graduate school, something that was recommended was to read the papers or publications that those professors or the PIs, principal investigators, those labs read their papers so that you can learn what it is they do. 
And from that, you can find their email addresses and reach out to them. And I had no clue what most of those papers were talking about. So don't feel bad if you don't understand what those papers mean or what they're saying in it. Ideally, what you want to try to do is to get a general idea to see if this aligns with what it is you're interested in. Then go to the website for these professors and send emails. Shoot them an email to see, hey, I'm interested in learning about cancer biology or studying how cancer progresses. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about what your lab does. So that way you can really see if what you want to do aligns with what that lab actually does. Because sometimes we read things and our perception of how mechanisms work are a little bit different. For instance, I sent an email to a professor when I was interested in graduate school and I said, hi, I actually am interested in your lab. I want to do minimally invasive imaging of cancer. And his email was, I don't actually do what you think I do. And I don't think you'd be a great fit. (laughs) 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 exactly so it kind of threw me a little bit but then I thought about it I said why would I want to work for someone like that when someone shows you their true colors believe them immediately so for me even if he was doing the research that I was interested in I would not want to work for a person that could be that rude to me and they don't know me from Eve Right. So having a general idea is good. Just know that what you think someone does, that might not actually be what they do. And that's why you want to reach out, network with professors, network with students so you can get that understanding. So let's say you go on the website, you didn't quite reach out to the faculty yet. Right. But you find the lab and you read the general overview of what they say they do. And you're unsure of if they're accepting students. One way you can do that is by asking about the overall research that they they do and then what ongoing projects they currently have active in the lab. It's important to also have more than one lab that you're interested in. So for example, you have like two that you're really, really excited about and you're hoping that you get in, but you also need to have like two or three more that are your backups. And should you not be accepted to your top two, if you were to get accepted into these two or three backups, you'll still be happy and excited about the work that they're doing. If the lab is not accepting new students, you can look at the collaborators. So in some instances, your interested faculty member may not be accepting new students, but they have a lot of collaborations that are doing similar work, but not quite the same. So you have the opportunity to work indirectly with your faculty member of interest. So for example, for me, I'm biology focused, I focus on cancer, and I also have a co-mentor that looks at the biomedical bioengineering aspects of cancer. And so I have the best of both worlds. I knew that I was interested in cancer, but I also wanted to do something different in looking at cancer. Then we have the situation where the website may not be updated or or hmm. there might not be current information on what they're doing in that lab research-wise. So like Dee mentioned, you can read the publications, but if you want the most recent updated information, you can literally go on PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D dot gov and search the PI's name. And that will list all of the publications associated with that that person, that faculty member, that lab, their different collaborations. And all you need to do is just skim through. Like Dee mentioned, you know, you can read a publication all day and not understand what they're talking about. 
The main objective is just getting an idea of what they do and the main findings that come from that lab. And if you're interested, like Dee said, reach out, send an email, um, talk to the current lab members. The current lab members will be your litmus test. They'll basically tell you, mm, I don't know if you should come here or, yeah, I love this lab. Like basically ask the questions, ask everything that's on your mind because the current graduate students in that lab will be completely real with you. So y'all, we're out of time and we have touched on a lot, but we are not finished. So make sure you come back and listen to us in part two. But to follow this movement, you can find us on the following platforms, Facebook at Stemming Forward, LinkedIn at Stemming Forward, or you can follow us on Instagram at Stemming underscore Forward. If you have any questions about Stemming Forward, about this particular episode, or you want to be involved in any way, please contact us at stemmingforward at gmail.com. And I'm going to end with this quote. The struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. I'm going to say that again. The struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. Chadwick Bozeman. Remember, we are stemming forward together.